the Barely Science Podcast. And we're back at the Barely Science Podcast. How did we get here, though? <laughs> it's been a bit of a hiatus. Um, we both managed to get really busy. We also managed to delete a podcast by accident. <laughs> and I believe we also forgot to record one. We just sat here talking to ourselves for a while. <laughs> That's a great use of time. But we're back at the Center for the Public Awareness of Science, here to get back into barely science content. And given that we've had a pretty long break, there's now plenty of garbage for mm, us to talk about. Just everywhere. Netflix has a lot of it now. <laughs> so, yeah, this is something that I really wanted to t- talk about was the release of a particular movie from everyone's favorite producer, J.J. Uh, Abrams. They mm. released a, a direct-to-Netflix film known as The Cloverfield Paradox, which you can go online, you can look at the Metacritic st- scores, and you'll know that it's absolute hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> There's just garbage everywhere. So I've heard, though I haven't actually watched it myself. Um, being part of Cloverfield, I suppose it's supposed to have monsters in it. <laughs> so... This, before we actually get into it, uh, the story behind the film is actually kind of interesting. Oh, okay. So it started out life as a script. Um, actually, I think it may have even been nearly entirely shot as mm. well. Um, and the film was originally called The God Particle. Okay. Um, except, uh, I think, I forget who owned it originally. I think it may have been Paramount. They were like, oh my God, this film is probably garbage. We're not mm. going to make any money. In comes J.J. Abrams. Mm. He says, hey why don't we slap Cloverfield on the title? Mm. Cloverfield made a lot of money. We just need to add in a couple of little bits to the film, shoot a couple of extra scenes, and bam, we advertise it at the Super Bowl, direct to Netflix, heaps okay. of money, here we go. Right. And it, it and Netflix, I think, then paid like $50 million. So oh the film made its budget back purely by the Netflix purchase. But did Netflix know what they were buying? Did they watch it beforehand? <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone did. Um, so <laughs> go, it, it, everyone hated it, basically. But I think what we can bring is some extra level of hatred to this and we can pick apart the science because there's quite a bit of absolute garbage science that we can go through right, that's in this film. Um, so when I first watched this, I watched it with my girlfriend at home and I annoyed the absolute crap out of her <laughs> because I was just yelling at the movie the entire time. <laughs> so I have since forced myself to watch it again and mm. I, I have some, some notes here, and I'll take us through the main plot points and the things that drove me absolutely insane, and I'll throw things at you, and we'll, we'll discuss the absolute dumpster fire that okay. is the Cloverfield Paradox. All right, sounds fun. Okay, so to set the scene, we're in the um, near future. Mm. Um, Earth is become... Well, it's, they claim at one point that Earth has a population of 8 billion people, which isn't that much more than today. No, that's pretty close. But I'm guessing that due to rapid development in various countries, that now Earth is in an energy crisis. That's what's really established. That, okay. Um, running, fossil fuels are running low. The, we need an alternate fuel source. There's Tensions are high between different countries over oil okay. resources, and there are things like energy rations. So it's, uh-huh. you know, it's getting pretty bad. So there's this experiment proposed, so um, an experiment that aims to produce unlimited energy for the Earth. Like ITER. I haven't heard of ITER. The, the great big fusion reactor that's being built in France. Ah, I have not heard of that Which is a one. global effort to try and generate free energy. Well, not free energy, clean yeah. energy, as close as clean can be. So it's like an ITER, but not. <laughs> So this is even like one step further. It's not just clean energy, but they claim it will be unlimited okay. energy, and uh, but it involves a very risky experiment. So they have to they also using a particle accelerator, but they need to put that particle accelerator out into space. Why? Because uh, of the risks involved. Because it's a dangerous experiment, apparently. Uh... Uh, Hush now. This, this, we're not even getting started. All right. So the, the particle accelerator is called the Shepard. Yeah. We don't know what it's accelerating yet. That's not established initially. Um, the crew, uh, sorry, the ship itself mm. is called the Cloverfield. So that's the first bit of rewrite coming in. Okay. Um, right, and yeah. it's it's manned by uh, a very international crew mm-hmm. um, from various different agencies. We primarily follow as a protagonist uh, an engineer by the name of Ava. She's from England, mm-hmm. um, and she, she's kind of our POV character who we who we follow through. Okay. Um, but then on board, we're joined by Keel, who's the American commander. Mm-hmm. We have 
Ernst, who's uh, I think Ernst Schmidt, because they kind of call him both. He's the German physicist, so he's the one mm -hmm. who knows the most about the actual physics in the accelerator. Right. We have Monk, who's the Brazilian uh, Brazilian doctor, a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. We have Mundy, who's an Irish engineer, mm -hmm. <laughs> who's who's played by Roy from. <laughs> <laughs> the IT crowd. Okay. So I can't think... What, what's his name again? Uh, the actor. Um, I have no idea. Uh, all, all I can think of is Roy from the IT crowd. That's his defining role. And But it, he just is Roy again in this film, <laughs> like, which makes it very very distracting when things go wrong later yeah, on. It's, a, it's an odd, odd choice, but all right. <laughs> um, we then have Volkov, who's a Russian engineer who's in charge of like the actual ship systems mm -hmm. itself, so like life support, that kind of thing. And then finally, we have Tam, who's a Chinese engineer. She's the engineer for the Shepard Accelerator. Okay. Um, there's a bit of a, a weird point, which like, could have been quite good, but mm -hmm. then it just ends up being bizarre. Yeah. So she only speaks Mandarin, and then the other crew members speak Mandarin to her. Mm -hmm. And in the context of conversations, she can clearly understand English. Yeah. And actually, the actress who plays her can speak English just fine as mm -hmm. well. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe when different crew members want to have like a secret conversation, they'll use each other's native language. Yeah. But no, that doesn't happen. The only other foreign language in this film is Mandarin. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I'm going to say, there seems like a lot of characters in there. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, so I expect them to die pretty quickly <laughs> to thin out the cast. Oh yeah. Expendable <laughs> is definitely um, uh, a apt term to fill all these characters. There's also a subplot with Ava, the British engineer, uh -huh. her husband on earth but it has no effect on the plot, so I'm not going to bother talking right. about it. Okay, so we're, we're up on the ship, and they, they do the first test firing of the, of the accelerator. Uh -huh. It doesn't work. It doesn't go off. So right. everyone's disappointed. Just like a usual experiment. Yeah. Um, so then we have a montage of you know, various experiment runs, and it gives us a good chance to see what the ship looks like and the layout, layout mm -hmm. of the ship. So the ship is constructed in like kind of a big T shape. Mm -hmm. um, so like there's a thin spine down the middle. Yeah. On the top of the spine, there's a big long pole. So the T at the top, that's yeah. the accelerator. This, the accelerator is... A linear accelerator? It's a linear accelerator. So it's a line. That's a bad choice. Okay. Uh, so this is obviously in contrast to m most other accelerators on the Earth right now, which yeah. are rings. Mm. So it makes a lot more sense if you want to get things spinning around really fast that you sp you, it's easier to get things moving in a circle yeah. than in a straight line. Yeah, because every time it reaches the end, if you want to speed them up, you need to change its direction. And that's just killing all the progress you made to try and start it going again. Yeah. So if you have a ring and you just accelerate around and around, you can go faster and faster because it's effectively an infinite loop. Yeah. So linear accelerators are actually used in things like medical physics. Mm. So where you want to accelerate something to an exact amount of energy. So say for a certain radiation dose for a particular type of cancer treatment, for example, you can accelerate it just that one point and then you shoot, you're then shooting out the particle at the mm. other end. So that's where linear accelerators are useful. But generally, if you want as much speed and as much energy as possible, you want a ring. Mm. Um, but we do get rings on this spaceship. Okay. So then coming down the spaceship, I, it kind of looks like a bunch of spinning plates. Right. Um, so there's like a bunch of rings that kind of attach onto the central spine of the space station. Mm -hmm. And so I had thoughts back to 2001, A Space Odyssey is like, oh, okay, so that's how they generate gravity because initially yeah. the crew is shown to be standing in the ship. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, cool. That all sounds good. So but, the where does the gravity come from? Ah, uh, so this is, so if, if you've ever seen 2001's A Space Odyssey, it's a great example of how mm -hmm. this kind of thing could work. Um, so this is essentially like a wagon wheel type design for a, a space station mm. where you have a spinning ship and due to the centripetal force, so the force that is required to move you around in a circle, mm. you would be able to stand on the inside of that wagon wheel. Mm. So with your head pointing towards the middle of the wheel and it's spinning around. It's like um, when you plan those little merry-go-rounds, you spin yourself faster and faster, you feel drawn towards the edge. But if there was like a a floor on the outer edge, you could just stand on that and be fine, yeah. more or less. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, oh, they also show that in um, Interstellar. Interstellar mm, they spin yeah. the ship up, ship up, and that's... Um, I thought that they did that really well there, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you see out the window from inside the ship. Okay. And you see the Earth go by. Uh-huh. And so the plates are spinning, 
but the gravity is going the wrong way. Oh, dear. The, the people are not standing on the edge of these discs. They're standing on the, the flat surface, the main central part. Oh, so no. So they've got a lot of floor space, which is good for activities, but not so good for physics. Yeah, no. So they, <laughs> if the ship was actually real, they'd all be flung to the <laughs> walls. <laughs> um, and this is never addressed really at all they okay. just have gravity magically they don't you know in some other films they just say oh turn on the gravity thing but yeah, no, there's some gravity plates like in star trek oh good old star trek. <laughs> um <laughs> so this is my first point of frustration this is the first time i vocalized at the film yeah which is that they should all be sticking to the walls this is this is stupid uh-huh. um <laughs> so uh we're getting a montage time's going by it's been years, in, almost two years on the ship. Okay. Um, we see shots of the accelerator trying to start up. It glows purple and then shuts down. Um, okay. So it kind yeah. of looks like plasma that you see in fusion reactors, the ones that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but we still don't know what is actually in it. Mm. Um, we also see there are worms on the ship for some reason. We just uh, we get a shot of some worms. Uh, like earthworms? Yeah, kind of, but like a bit fatter. Um, okay. Like I wonder what's going to happen with them. I wonder if something bad's going to yeah, happen with the worms. That's an odd choice for a space station. Um, anyway, so we cut to the f- the well, slightly two years into the future. The crew is frustrated. They come in, and you'll like this. Mm. There's a, a sli- an idea stolen from Star Trek. Ooh. Yeah, they print themselves some breakfast. They print the 3D print themselves some some breakfast. Oh, yeah, that's that's not too bad. Close to replication. First yeah. steps. <laughs> So this, of course, being the, the replicator from Star Trek. So they're, they're shown that, you know, they can print anything on board the ship. Uh-huh. And it prints really, really quickly, unlike the hours that current 3D printers take to make yeah. a stupid little plastic toy. Um, we learn that tensions down on the Earth are getting really high in terms of energy. Uh-huh. Um, in particular, between Germany and Russia. Just, hap- just so happens that there's a German and a Russian on board space oh, okay. station. <laughs> Very convenient. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we then also learn from a clip shown on, like, a, from a news broadcast that there's this idea of the, the Cloverfield paradox. Um, mm, so okay. basically, okay. a crazy man on the equivalent of like a Fox News thing is rambling about that. Uh, turning on this accelerator could, quote, rip open the fabric of space-time and, mm-hmm. quote, is a thousand times more powerful than any other accelerator that is going to smash open reality and that monsters are going to be released. Oh, I see. That's <laughs> a... Right. That, so, that's a story. <laughs> so this is where we... This is, like, the first time that the Cloverfield Paradox is mentioned. We're never told explicitly what it is. Yeah. And it really annoys me because a paradox is meant to be... A scenario or a statement which is impossible to yeah, happen. Contradictory. It can't happen. Yeah. Instead it just like instead it seems to be um oh, bad things will happen if we turn this on. Mm. Rather than there being a paradox okay. occurring. Um so now one of the most important um items in this movie is is shown to the audience. Um it's a big blue spinny cube looking thing. Okay, a Tesseract from <laughs> Thor. Yeah, it's basically the Tesseract, but it's also got like, it reminds me of like some sort of Protoss material for, from StarCraft. It kind of looks like that. It's got like gold okay. and stuff on it. It's blue and spinny and gold. Right. And so the, the Russian guy, the engineer, he loads it into, the, into like a tray and slides it in and says like, the gyroscope has been loaded in. Hey. <laughs> so this thing is meant to be <laughs> a gyroscope. Oh, like you know, they could have saved some time and expenses just by using a normal gyroscope. Okay, so do you want to explain then what a normal gyroscope is? It's just a spinny thing. Yeah, no, they're just—it's like um, you can get gyros as kids' toys, and you just spin them up. Um, but gyroscopes have sensors, so that uh, when a gyro kind of gets moved, it will. Uh, kind of exhibit torques on the system. So we have forces which uh, want to try and make it right itself or change its direction. So if you measure the forces that are going on in the system and you know which way the gyro is spinning, you can uh, work out how it's moving. Yeah. So uh, you don't need a fancy tesseract to no. measure rotation. I think the point is, so it's meant to be used for that. So it's meant to give tell the ship which way up it is. 
Okay. So issues but I there is no up in space. <laughs> yeah. It, so it gives you the at least it'll give you the relative direction. But here yeah, yeah. here are the real issues I have with it. Okay. Modern gyroscopes are nanoscopic. Yeah. We all have them in our phone. They're made out of silicon. Um, and so the whole, so you actually need several gyroscopes together mm. to give you 3D information and it's called an accelerometer. Mm. So it's basically what allows your phone, your smartphone at least to have auto rotation. So the screen will rotate to whichever okay. way your phone goes. So your phone knows which way up yeah. it is. So you're telling me if I crack open my phone, I'll find several tesseracts. A uh, little nanoscopic one. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I see. So, and I don't know why this isn't just an integral part of the ship. Instead, it's loaded in in a big. <laughs> it tray. sounds like a MacGuffin. Oh. that's going to be used later. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is some amazing foresight you have there. But <laughs> no spoilers here just yet. Oh, I forgot to mention this is a spoiler-filled episode. If you haven't seen Cloverfield, don't, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Just just listen to us. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, so they turn on the. The accelerator, the shepherd, and it works. So it's okay. finally running. Good. It's the first time that it started to produce energy. Mm-hmm. So somehow this accelerator is producing energy. We don't we don't know how yet. Right. Um, and this is where shit goes down. Okay. So there's an explosion. The crew experiences like a change in gravity. They all they're all flung to the ceiling. Um, the accelerator well, instead of the walls, like they should be. Yeah, they should have been flung to the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, they just get flung around. The accelerator excel- itself catches on fire. In um, space? Uh, it's, it, it's enclosed in air, it's implied, because they then ventilate it. So they th- open the hatch okay, and good. they ventilate all the air out. So that, that's fine. Um, so that they, the, the crew recovers and they discover to their horror mm. that they, they've lost the Earth. So they were in orbit around the Earth. Okay. And they, now they, they can't see it out the window. Right. Um, there are no signals coming from the Earth, so they can't pick up any radio traffic. Yeah. Um, they check all the outside cameras mm. and they're like, oh my God, what has happened? Mm. And the Russian engineer, he says, Volkov, he says like, you know, have we just been thrown across the galaxy? Mm. And so this is where it can kind of get confusing. Yeah. Um, because I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of a bit terrifying. Imagine being on a near, uh, you know, near Earth orbit and then mm. all of a sudden you're flung out into deep space and yeah. you're just trapped. That reminds me of the plot of Voyager. Star Trek Voyager, they get flung across <laughs> to the Delta Quadrant where they have to try and make their way back. So this, this is kind of what I thought, okay, maybe they're going to have to survive, figure out and get back. Um, but then there's a shot outside of the ship and there's shown to be a nearby star. Mm. And this is the source of my my confusions and anger. And so I was like, is that the sun? Yeah. Is this or is this some other random star uh, it's it's very very bizarre mm-hmm. um and so th- there's also some dialogue that's that you know they oh my god the station's damaged and oh my yeah. god did we maybe did we destroy the earth yeah and so this because they keep on saying the earth is missing and so i'm very confused are they in are they flung across the galaxy mm-hmm. or have they zapped the earth out of existence mm-hmm. have they just teleported somewhere what what has really happened and, of course, the MacGuffin, sorry, I mean <laughs> gyroscope, which is referred to as a fancy compass, is uh. missing from the drawer. And so now right. they don't know which way up the ship is. Cool. So as an astronomer, so now if we're under the assumption that they're near the Earth, yeah. they're still inside the solar system, why do you think I was angry about them not knowing which way, what directions were? Doesn't matter. You can just use the stars as a reference. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the stars, the things that people have been using for tens of thousands of years to navigate and orient yeah. yourself, they just forget about. Just look out the window. Oh, oh, look there. Oh, that, the that's a constellation. Uh, it probably means we're so, still around the solar neighborhood. It's, cool. Yeah. So they they don't check for that. They just like, oh no, the the gyroscope is missing. Um, so. How would knowing if they're up or down help with their relative position in space? It, I don't know. All right. That's not addressed. But they, they need to find the gyroscope yeah. uh, to know which way the ship is. And anyway, but we don't have time for that All right. because there's now sc- metallic monstrous screaming coming Ooh, from the walls. I see. It's so there's... Spooky. Yeah. Um, and also, so whilst they're investigating this, the... Um, 
Volkov, he's now rubbing his face. He's, there's something he's got, you know, it's clearly shown several times. He's like right. rubbing his face. His face is kind of hurting. So they're investigating this hectic noise coming from the walls. They open one of the, the wall panels on the ship uh. and oh my God, there's a woman in the walls. Oh. So this is the, the first bit. So the one thing I do appreciate about this movie is that it has some pretty insane body horror. Oh, so that's something at least, I guess, if you're into that. So if you're into, so she's like in the walls, and she has like pipes and wires like going through her limbs. Yeah. Um, so she's obviously in a fair bit of pain. I don't know how she made the monster scream though. Um, uh, so that that was a fun sound effect. Yeah. Um, uh, so the oh my god, who's this lady? But she knows their names. She says their names. Okay. Um, but they stow they, away. They're like, who is this person? So they, they cut her out um, and give her emergency surgery. Right. Um, so it's now established that they're totally lost without this gyroscope, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, that uh, they, they, whilst they give the, the mystery lady some magic space cellular healing. Right. Um, so they're just, you know, accelerated healing. Mm-hmm. And so now two of the crew, so the the two people who are the shepherd experts, so the German physicist and Tam, the Chinese engineer, mm-hmm. they now they want to fix the accelerator because they they kind of t- they talk to each other in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. So it's now also unclear as to whether everyone on the ship can speak Mandarin or only like a couple of people. Yeah. Um, so they kind of like you know talk to each other and they're like, okay, we're going to try and fix the accelerator because we think we can undo this. Right. Um, we also. We also note that the worm... So now Roy uh, from the IT crowd, uh-huh. I forget his actual name. <laughs> he discovers that the worms are missing. Right. Okay. So the worms are no longer the in the tank. big fat weird worms have yeah. gotten out of their tank. Their purpose there was unknown. Yeah. So na- they're na- clearly na- just for spooks now. Right? Yes. Um, so speaking of spooks, uh, Russian man is now looking in the mirror. His you know, face is hurting and his eye goes sideways. Okay. Like one eye goes boop and goes completely sideways and then uh-huh. flips the other way and he's having a bad time yep. and he's now speaking to himself, freaking out. Uh-huh. Um, he freaks out even more. He goes to the 3D printer, yep. overrides security and prints himself a gun and bullets. All right. So That's an interesting idea. With his with his eyes going going around the place. Right. So um, Roy from the IT crowd, now that he's uh, he's just noted that the worms are gone, no one seems to care, um, he's got back to to fix the wall um, that, the, that the lady was in. Okay. That's a very crucial wall, I'm, I suppose. Yeah. So, that, that, so it's important that he's there fixing the wall. So the, the Russian, he goes up to the to Shepard engineer, so the, to, to the German guy and Tam, the Chinese lady, because uh-huh. they're, they're you know, mucking around with the particle acceler- accelerator. Yeah. He threatens them with the gun. He's okay. like, you know, you're you know, you're trying to do bad things. You know, you're you know, bit of Germany versus Russia because yeah. of energy issues because they're potentially on the edge of war. He's yelling at them. Yeah. They're like, oh no, what are you doing? He then uh, vomits and has a seizure on the ground. Uh-huh. Um, he then starts bleeding from the mouth, appears to die, uh-huh. and then his face explodes with worms. All the worms explode out of his his uh-huh. body and face. So. So the worms from the jar got into his head. Yeah. How did they... Uh, did he just go and eat some of the worms for fun? Or? I, so, I, I don't know. I think it's implied that they just teleported there, I guess in the same way that the mystery lady, lady yeah. teleported into the wall. <laughs> and then we get this amazing line from Roy from the IT crowd. Uh-huh. He goes, well, we found the worms. <laughs> 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 After this man has just exploded <laughs> with blood and worms. <laughs> I, I feel a bit of tonal conflict there, but yeah. oh well. Um, then we get a kind of a Shining-esque moment. So we're shown a picture of the crew. So Ava sees a picture of the crew that was up on the wall. Mm-hmm. And the mystery woman is there. <gasps> and she isn't. Uh, so she, she goes and she wants to speak to the to the mystery lady who's now conscious. Um, you know, how are you here? Yeah. Um, it's established uh, in a little bit that basically she's from an alternate reality where okay. both she and Tam are no longer on the station. Yep. So the mystery lady is actually the replacement for Tam. She's the shepherd engineer in her alternate reality. Right. Um, and also in this alternate reality, Ava stayed on Earth. Um, okay, yeah. Um, and she also says that, you know, don't trust Schmidt. 
the the German physicist mm-hmm. that he's you know he's compromised the shepherd that he's working with German intelligence. Okay. Um, you know, you shouldn't trust trust them. Wait, why would why would Germany want to blow up the free energy source? I think oh, I think Germany just wants the technology for themselves. In or but she's claiming that. But it doesn't matter though if everyone if everyone gets it, then the problem is solved. But yeah, all uh, right, whatever. <laughs> Geopolitics aside. Yeah, so um, Ava freaks out. She goes into the messages log and sees that Schmidt has messages from German intelligence and telling him Ooh. to steal the plans. Um, so she, she busts him. The commander locks him, locks the physicist in the airlock. Everyone's like, err. Yeah. Um, so meanwhile, um, Roy from the IT crowd uh, is back fixing the wall again. Right, good job. Um, so there's some kind of cool tech where he puts some like metallic paste on a section of wall, uh-huh. and then he zaps it with a little a little zapper, and yeah. it, like it metallica- like uses magnetic fields or something, and it stretches out over a certain section and solders okay. the thing together, which is kind of cool to see. Yeah. But it comes back later, so don't forget about that. All right. Um, so at this point, his arm gets sucked into the wall. Mm, okay. So it's like womp, like just gets pulled in there he's yep. freaking out it's like moving around like something's pulling his arm around uh-huh. inside the wall um he's freaking out people run to him oh my god what's happening um the wall then stops his he then falls away from the wall uh-huh. his arm is clean cut off right and it's kind of a bit horrifying have you ever seen like a slice from an, an mri where you can see inside someone's yeah you can see that like you can see like bone and muscle and stuff okay. but there's no blood Yep. And there's no pain, and his response is just, where's my arm? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, also at this point, uh, Schmidt is released from the airlock. Somehow, the door just opens for him. Okay. He, he is walking around, and he finds the arm crawling about the hallway, as it's pulling itself along with its fingers. Okay. We then get oh that's right it's Chris O'Dowd that's his name okay we then good. get Chris O'Dowd goes that's me fucking arm <laughs> um, so what a deduction <laughs> so they they put it into a box and then we get we get some some mumbo jumbo from the physics man he goes you know we have two distinct realities that have clashed into one another okay. causing chaos all right um, which is another point that that got me being that. Physicist using the word chaos to mean something not the physics meaning of chaos. Yeah, gotta gotta stay pure. <laughs> so chaos, of course, is actually has a very specific meaning in both physics and mathematics. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that something is unpredictable or that something is crazy. It just means that you have a system that is very sensitive to its initial conditions. Mm. So the famous example is a double pendulum. So you can imagine. Um, a single pendu- pendulum, imagine just like a single stick swinging from a point. Mm. But if you stick two sticks together and then allow them to swing and then pick them up from a certain position. So a pendulum on a pendulum. Yeah. Then the initial starting point of where you, wherever you start that pendulum, it will then swing in a t- very different way than if you move it a tiny bit to somewhere else. So then that's what chaos is, mm. which has nothing to do with the current situation. But we, we are now just told basically that um, we have two realities that have crashed into one another. So that explains why mm. we have um, alternate reality things going on. Right. Okay, that makes that makes some sense. Um, so the arm inside the box then appears to start miming, like, writing. Okay. And so they decide to give it a pen. Reasonable. Uh, and the arm writes on on the floor of the box... Cut Volkov open. Okay. So they so they they pull out poor old Volkov, even though his face is exploded with worms. Yep. And so they they don't have any information. They they just have to go off cut Volkov open. Uh-huh. So the the Brazilian doctor he's about he's got his scalpel, but he then, in a very Prometheus like action uh-huh. where you know the characters can't be their expertise anymore, yep. he wusses out of the surgery. So he wusses out of Cutting open the, okay. Cutting open the How board. did he get his medical? I don't know. License. Apparently, we have a doctor who's afraid of surgery now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Tam um, does it instead. Just cuts open his stomach and then just dives a hand oh, in his sweet. guts 
rushes around. What does she find? More in? worms. Or the Tesseract. Yes, what? the Tesseract. The gyroscope cube, even though it's quite large. It's like a, like a 20 centimeter by 20 Ooh, centimeter box. that would box. Yeah, and that would displace a lot of things. Um, they just pull that out, and, and it's there. Um, okay. So, yay, we can, we can figure out where we are Good. somehow. We, we, they, they, load, they load it back into the drawer. And then this is... This Wait, is how did the arm know to cut him open at the test track? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> well, we, yeah, who knows how, <laughs> how that arm knew. How did, where did, who pulled his arm into the wall? Where did it go? How did, where did she come from? How did you go? <laughs> yeah. um, so they put the, the, cu- the Tesseract, the spinny cube, back inside the station. Yeah. They load it up and like, oh my God, we know which way we are. They yeah. then, on the screen... This really got me. On the screen, they show a series of stars, and they say, "Look, it's Cassiopeia." <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you can look at the stars now. You uh, could. So, 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 so. The logic here <laughs> is that they needed to know if the orientation of the spacecraft to work out what the configuration of stars should look like. Yeah. But that's completely dumb because in astronomy, we have lots of software in optical astronomy where if you have an image of a star field, you just throw it to the database and then the uh, program will try and match up every star it sees and work out the distances between those stars and the various angles between them. And then that's pretty unique and it can just match that to... A patch in the sky with those same unique things, and they clearly show this very same software ha- working on the oh ship because no. it draws the circles <laughs> and the angles on all the stars. <laughs> like, I was, I was so mad at this point. <laughs> and then they go, "Oh, we're upside down." What? So, what? So apparently, the gyroscope didn't tell them they're upside down. They needed the gyroscope to tell them where the stars were to that then tell them that they're upside down. Oh, that's beautiful. And then they go, wait, <laughs> look at the sun. And like, oh, so they have been on the solar system the whole time. Right. And that now they choose to look around near the sun. So they, they zoom in on the sun. And oh, my God, there's the Earth. Just on the other side of the sun that's visible. So if they just looked out the window, they would have seen the Earth. Yeah, they, could, they just didn't look very hard. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so the Earth is there. Uh, they can tune into communications, but they can't transmit yet. So Wait. So they, they see the Earth. So, so so once they saw the Earth, they pointed their radio antenna at it, and yeah. suddenly there were now signals? Yes. Whereas blind scanning before didn't reveal signals? No. I oh. think before, I guess, because the Earth was like right beneath them, whereas now they have to, I guess, point it directly, but they could have just scanned... They could have looked... So there's so many issues here. They could have seen other planets. So they could have figured out yeah. where they were due to the stars. They knew where the bloody sun was. Yeah. They could have scanned what's called the ecliptic plane, mm. where all the planets are. Earth, if it's there, has to be in that plane somewhere. Yeah. Or if they were like above the sun, they could have just looked down and seen all the planets there. Yeah. The, 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 it's ridiculous that they couldn't have found it. So they, they should have been able to find it. But so now they start receiving signals from the Earth again. Okay. And now we learn that Earth is 14 months into a war. Um, okay. Everything's going to heck. And we also get images that the Cloverfield station has crash-landed into the ocean. Right. So, but the, all right, so, so the, this is like the alternate reality one. Yeah. Failed and crashed. Okay. Um, so we now get a pretty amazing line from the physicist. He says... It's not just particles of two dimensions interacting. We've traveled into another one. What? What does that even mean? Yeah, it's not just particles of two dimensions interacting. <laughs> so, so my, my, my good mathematician friend, uh, who's been on this a few times, Rob Kelling, uh, took, took great issue because he watched this. And I remember him saying, why are they using dimensions so incorrectly? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so, so in in physics and mathematics, dimensions are usually referred to as kind of the the spatial things we can work around, or the the degrees of freedom more more generally. So, 
particles in two dimensions would imply particles interacting on a plane. Yep. But Got now there's another one, so with the they're in 3D space. Yeah, the, they're essentially using dimensions to mean alternate realities. Yeah, and like other the many worlds kind of idea. Um, so in, we just that's the lines basically there just to bash the audience over the head that if you haven't worked it out yet that they've just traveled into an alternate reality. Right. Um, and then <laughs> we get this line, which is that the accelerator they have is still in quantum entanglement with their original reality. Okay. And that they they can't... So, obviously, this Earth has gone to hell, um, but they can fire the Shepard accelerator again, and that will take them back to their reality. Because mm, okay. something, something, quantum, something, something. Right. Quantum's always <laughs> a good way out. Um, so, we, we learn from... They say now they, they talk to the, the mystery lady again. Um... They learn that their shepherd smashed, and this is the first time we learned, they smashed the Higgs boson. So this okay. is coming back to the original title of the film, which was the God Particle. Right. So this particle accelerator accelerates Higgs boson particles. So what do you know uh, about Higgs bosons? As far as I know, they don't have a charge, so how do they accelerate them? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure if they self-interact. Yeah, so the Higgs boson is a relatively recently discovered particle. It's predicted from the standard model, model of physics, and it's the a particle that effectively gives things, gives other particles mass. So, and the reason why it took so long to find because it's really hard to produce. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you need to, you need a collider like the Large Hadron Collider, which is a, a circular yep. collider. To spin these particles, spin protons up to a high enough energy to smash them together to produce uh, byproducts that might just cause little wiggles in the Higgs field to make Higgs bosons. Yeah. So they've got a way of just producing Higgs bosons and sending them at each other, yeah. which produces more energy than what it took to disturb the Higgs field to make the supply of the particles. Somehow, yes. I which see. Is a, which is a huge <laughs> issue that's <laughs> never addressed. Yeah, so normally the Higgs field is, I guess, relatively passive, I guess is one way to describe it, in that yeah. other particles interact with the Higgs field, and that's what gives them mass. Um, but then creating Higgs bosons, you need to put a lot of energy in one place to excite those particles into existence. Mm. Um, so uh, it's established that something went wrong on their Shepard accelerator, on the alternate reality one. And that when they turned theirs on, mm. that these dimensions, they say dimensions again, that they crashed into each other. Um, so she's now very upset about leaving her dimension in that because they, so they're planning to go back and yep. she wants this because they got their technology to work, even though it caused weird stuff to happen. Yeah. Um, she wants that energy technology. So she now is getting quite upset. Um, and it's also starting to act very malicious and kind of spooky and kind of looking angry all the time. So it's I like guess that's understandable. But at the same, same time, you could just take ask them for the plans and then go back to the Earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so uh, Tam is now trying to get things fixed up. So they're ready to fire the accelerator again. Um, for some reason, she has to go into an airlock, into one of the airlocks. Oh, no. She's going oh. to space. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's doing things. And then all of a sudden, something uh, a message comes up on the screen that says H2O leak. And her airlock room starts filling up with water. Okay. For, for no reason. So um, so, she's, so she's freaking out. Uh, water's pouring in really, really fast. Um, okay. So it's filling up. People are like, trying to open the door, trying to get to her. Um, it's The whole airlock now is full, full of water. In fact, there's so much water that the out, outer door starts to buckle. So somehow the pressure is so great on and on the airlock mm. from Wait. all this water. From a what? You can't pack... <coughs> That's not how water works. No, so <laughs> even though this airlock is designed to withstand, you know, the pressure difference between an atmosphere of pressure inside the ship and the vacuum of space, yeah. filling up one room with water is now... Yeah, you have to... If that were the case, you'd need to push... 
against the the flow of water yeah, to so, try and so pack not, it. So not it. only is there a leak of water, but water is being actively pumped in very, very hard <laughs> into this airlock. Um, so it's filling up. The, water, the door starts to break more and more, and then the, the airlock door breaks open. What happens? The water and the lady get sucked into space? Uh-uh, wrong. You're you using your physics brain. What? The water freezes, of course, because space is cold. So I was going to say, they, to, to fix a situation, if you're ever in a space station <laughs> and in this situation... One should tell the person inside the airlock to grab hold of something, then vent yep. the airlock momentarily, then shut it, and then try and refill it with air. Yep. That's the only way they'd survive that uh, occurrence. But it wouldn't freeze. No. So the, the fundamental issue here is that even though regions of space can be very cold, they can also be very hot, but the freezing point of a liquid is not just determined by temperature. Mm. It's also determined by pressure. Mm. And so if you lower the pressure, you can actually get water to boil, for example, at very low temperature. Yeah. So try, So there's like a, a famous problem of mountaineers trying to boil potatoes at very high <laughs> altitude, and it doesn't do anything because the water <laughs> boils at, you know, 30 degrees or something. Yeah. Um, and there's also some, you know, famous examples of early high altitude test pilots where before they wore pressure suits, so these were kind of the first proto-astronauts, they experienced uh, a fizzing inside their mouth. And that was because their saliva was boiling away. I think there was a case of a high-altitude jumper whose glove also got uh, detached, breaking the seal inside his suit. So then his hand, the blood in his hand boiled when he was at altitude. But when he reached reached, um, sea level again, the... The blood went back to a liquid, and he was mostly fine. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, it wouldn't freeze. No, the water wouldn't. Anyway, so we now have uh, a tamsicle inside this airlock. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she's frozen. She, she's she's gone. She's out of the way, apparently. Um, so we get another quote, which this Wait. dimension is eating us alive. But the lady from that dimension was being eaten by the metal. So isn't she more being eaten alive yeah, than no, these but, guys? But oh, that's good. But even though Tam's dead, don't forget the uh, alternate la- alternate lady. Yeah, she is the alternate Tam. So right, so she can still finish the job. Yeah, but uh, well, obviously she has a bit of a conflict of interest, seeing as she wants to take the plans back down to her Earth. Yeah. Um. So it also turns out that Ava has a family in this dimension, and that you know she wants to. She now wants to go back. To the, to the earth and so does the alternate reality engineer lady uh-huh. um, so we now learn that to get enough power to start the accelerator again they have to turn off some of the life support systems okay. um, including things like oxygen um, <laughs> we then get a pretty amazing line again from Chris O'Dowd mm-hmm. <laughs> which is you know in terms of getting turning things off he goes even with one stumpy arm I think I can get this done <laughs> Mm, love that tonal conflict. Yeah. Um, so they're preparing to... Um, he's repairing the accelerator and he's using his magic liquid metal stuff again. Uh-huh. Um, and then the magnetic fields start to go weird for some reason in the room that he's in. And so you can see these tendrils of like the liquid metal okay. coming towards him as if they're following magnetic fields. Right. Um, it then bursts through his chest, so st- stabs him with liquid metal stuff. Um, uh-huh. causes an explosion and blows out the center part of the station. So the, the spine of the ship is now now kind of breaks. Okay. Um, so now Chris O'Dowd's dead. Um, well, so he'll be missed, I guess. So now they have to jettison some of the rings from the lower part of the spine to mm-hmm. stop it from totally snapping, snapping in two. Right. Um, they have to go on a spacewalk to go fix it. Yep. So for some reason, they, they take three people to go do this, to do a spacewalk across the broken section to jettison the thing. Yep. Um, the, we get a line from the commander, which is, gravity will be unpredictable, so stay sharp. I don't know what, what he means by that or how he knows that. Um, so huh. they, they get to the other side. They all kind of jump across. And the, the Even though there's still some sort of weird gravity Somehow, even though they're in space and they're not on the spinning part, so yeah. I don't know how genera- gravity is being generated. Mm-hmm. Um, they get to the other side and they have to jettison this ring. And it turns out that 
Keel has to sacrifice himself because the jettison mechanism can only be activated from inside the ring for some reason. Oh, that's good design right there. Yeah, so then Keel, he he shuts the others out and he sacrifices himself um, and he flies off in okay. space. So now what? how many are we down to? Four? Yeah, so we have Ava. Uh, we have Mina, who's the alternate reality lady. Yeah. Um, we have Monk, the the doctor. And yeah, can't do his job. Yeah. And I think I think that's it. I think that's everyone now. Okay. Oh, and Schmidt. Sorry, and Schmidt, the physicist. He's right. around. Okay. Um, and so now, even though Kiel, who she knew, so this is alternate reality, she doesn't care. She's just kind of angry now. Okay. Um. So now she's she copies the the data f- about the shepherd down. Mm-hmm. Um, she makes she gets the gun that was printed earlier in the film, and she knocks out Ava, um, and okay. locks Ava in the escape pod. But wasn't she on her side and yeah, wanting to go she, back? They to wanted the to go back together, but no, she's just full evil now. Um, okay, so. Uh, so she wants to kill the others to stop them from going back and she wants to take the plans down. Even right. though they could potentially do both. I think she mm-hmm. wants to return with the working yeah, okay. um, station. So Ava wakes up and you know she wants to um, sa- try, try and save people. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she needs the keys to take to activate the, the shepherd again, to okay. activate the accelerator. So she shoots Monk... Um, he dies. He can't even save himself, <laughs> let alone other people. He's a pretty terrible doctor. Um, so he, he's dead. Still, she, still is his key. Uh-huh. Um, she then goes up to the accelerator room where Schmidt, the physicist, is there. Yeah. Um, shoots him. All right. Um, then Ava arrives, and you know we get some like some dialogue. Oh, I want to save my planet. Yeah. Um, uh, Schmidt isn't dead yet though, so they have a bit of a kerfuffle. Yeah. Um, he gets shot again. After oh, kerfuffle, he's, he's having a bad time. He really is. Uh, so Ava now runs away, um, and then so they have a bit of a confrontation. You know, she, evil lady is trying to manipulate her, like, "Oh, your family's still alive. You yeah. know, we could we could do this." And then they have a bit of a tussle. Um, they a window gets shot, um, and then evil lady gets sucked onto the hole and then sucked out into space. So, okay, she's 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 gone now. All right. Um, so now <laughs> Ava records a message. So it starts off as a monologue, but then it's revealed it's a message <coughs> that she's sending down to the to the screwed up Earth. Right. Saying, and she sends it to herself, to her alternate reality self. Um, uh, wait, is, so her alternate reality self was alive all this time? Yeah, alive all this time, but so on why, Earth. Why did she think it was an option to go home? Yeah, mm-hmm. So somehow she's going to... <laughs> was she just going to go there, murder her alternate self and take that life? <laughs> I, I guess that was her plan, or just like sneak around and stare at her children <laughs> the whole time, or just uh, like steal the children. I, who knows? Right. Um, so she sends herself the message and the plans for the accelerator. Um, she then, now that Monk is dead, so she does the surgery herself and saves saves Schmidt. Okay. Even he's been shot twice, but it took one bullet to to kill Monk, but two two was fine for Schmidt. He's a he's a tough guy apparently. Right. Um, uh, so then they they activate the accelerator. They get the big flash of purple again. Mm-hmm. Um, Earth is back in the window. Bam! They're back. Um, the shepherd now turns white from purple. Um, yep. And now they have a stable beam, and now it's generating energy, mm-hmm. which it was kind of confusing that it wasn't before. Um, what? Anyway, they they get back in the escape. How are pod. they collecting the energy if they're just losing <sighs> all light? I don't know. But they're like, okay, our job's done here. Right. We can go back to Earth. Um, we then get those some communication between Ava's husband and the and Space Command. Like, like, no, tell them not to come back. And the, okay. the return pod's going through the clouds, and a Cloverfield monster pops up through the clouds. Oh. And that's the end of the movie. Oh. So I see. <laughs> well, I wonder what scene was tacked on at the end. Yep. So. <laughs> You have one scene tacked on at the beginning, which was man talking about Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. Which was shot on, you know, because it was a newscast, so you didn't have to have any of the characters reacting Easy, to it. Easy, yeah. And then you just have monster coming out through the clouds at the end. So it's all their fault that Cloverfield 
the first Cloverfield movie happened. Wait, so were there monsters in the other reality? I think it was implied, um, but it was. I think it was more the war. I think it was in the subplot with the husband. I think it was more implied that the monsters were around, um, but it's never particularly clear. Okay. Uh, so I d- have seen the ending scene. Yeah. And she's like coming through the cloud layer, right? And yeah. And pokes its head up through the clouds. Yeah. That implies that that dinosaur thingy is like six kilometers <laughs> tall. <laughs> <laughs> and that ain't possible. No. <laughs> um, which is a fair bit taller than the one that screwed up New York in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, so in case you were really wondering if this movie was a dumpster fire, we can now absolutely confirm it for you. Oh, um, man. Especially the astronomy. It's a, there's a surprising amount of astronomy that could have helped them. Yeah, that's remarkable that they that they just ignored it until they had the blue thing and then suddenly yeah. it worked. All right. That's a very poor writing. They needed a, um, a science advisor on this movie. They really did. So whoever made this movie, if perchance you're listening, we can help. Yeah, and... Don't don't go to J.J. Abrams again. <laughs> um, interesting, though, uh, one thing to finish off on is that the original title of this film was The God Particle, mm. which has become the popular media name for the Higgs boson. Yes. Um, I read the other day, actually, where that came from. So it was from a book that was published on like the hunt for the Higgs boson. Right. And the author of the book originally wanted the title to be The Goddamn Particle because oh. it was so frustrating <laughs> to find. But then the publisher's... Changed it without his permission, I think. Oh, sweet. Um, to the God Particle. And the author really doesn't like it. In fact, all physicists basically don't like yeah, it. Yeah, it makes no sense. Because it, it has nothing to do with what the particle's about, um, which is... It, and imply, it gives you no information. In fact, it's misinformation as to how the particle works. Mm. Um, and so... I don't know what's worse, whether it, it kept that title and the God Particle would be put into the spotlight again as in the name, yeah, yeah. or the dumpster fire that we got, I think it, the film would have mostly been the same, which is an excuse for wacky stuff to happen on the ship yeah. and for people to die in various ways. The deaths are all pretty good. I'll Apart give it that. Apart from water, ice, yeah. ice cube. Yeah, she gets turned into an ice cube. Mm-hmm. Um, How rapid was it? It was like, boom. Like well, The then door she's broke and then... Chances frozen. are she's probably saveable then. Maybe because if you freeze water fast enough, the water crystals was don't really. Form. Yeah, if it was super fast, then it's just m- tiny little crystals. Yeah, whether or not did she freeze or is she just stuck in there? Mm. I guess we'll never know. These are the questions. These are the questions that we attempt to answer here on the Barely Science <laughs> Podcast, presented by the Center for the Public Awareness of Science. I think that's about us done for yeah. trashing on this movie. Mm. Um, tune in again soon. We will have more episodes coming. Yeah, thanks for listening. Okay, okay. Game face.